Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, we're going to be talking about the 2014 television series. Now, we're going to focus mainly on the uh, kind of primetime TV shows on the major networks and stuff. So ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, uh, CW may touch on a few other things. TV season has kind of already started, but we've had a lot between the conventions and stuff uh, going on, which is why we haven't done this episode sooner. And we're recording this a little before it's actually going to go up. So between... When we're recording this and when this gets released, a couple of shows such as Oh Gotham and a few others are going to start up. So we're going into this kind of sight unseen for a lot of these shows. Now, that said, the first one I want to talk about is Gotham, which has really put up a lot of great stuff in the way of first looks and yeah. behind the scenes stuff. And I'd say we watched probably 30 or 40 minutes of wonderful material that they put out there. Well, fortunately, it was highly redundant. Otherwise, I would have felt like we'd seen half the episode. Very true. And I believe our friends, the Chans, have actually seen the episode at one of the... uh, I don't know if it was a convention they went to or just an advanced screening. I think it was uh, Wizard World Chicago. That must have been it. Uh, And I think they had pretty good things to say about it. I think DC's got a lot riding on Gotham because it is the Batman franchise. They've got a lot of characters involved in it. What I loved about what we saw is there's kind of this, and we talked about this before uh, we, we watched the stuff, but how, in, in my ideal world, this would have, you know, be set back in time, well, because 20, I, 30 years. Yeah, I started by asking you, should this be a contemporary of Arrow, or should I expect this? Because I remembered seeing the Uber cars right. at San Diego Comic-Con, and they looked, to me, more like a throwback to the 40s. Well, in, in my mindset is... This shouldn't be that far back, but it should seem like we're seeing the origin before it gets to what we're familiar with. And what we're familiar with, the Batman movies, that mythos and stuff, is, is quote-unquote contemporary, modern day. And therefore, if we're going to see Gordon when he's a young detective in Gotham, you got to roll the clock back at least 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. If we're seeing the night Bruce Wayne's parents are shot and killed, you got to roll the clock back. And... What we were seeing was overall a, a visual that, that could be set literally at almost any time. Well, and it was beautifully done. Uh, they've created a character for the show called uh, Fish Mooney. Fish Mooney. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith was doing a wonderful job in the snippets we were seeing of her in that. And her bar environment, I guess is what mm-hmm. you would call it, had a very film noir look to it. You could see that in... A movie and you're not thinking, oh, well, it's set in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, you know, whatever. It's got a classic aspect to it, a timelessness to it, yet a a period piece aspect to it almost. I wanted to see Bogey walk into it at one point. Yeah, it's it's got that vibe to it. All of Gotham does. And it's it's a fun blend because one of the actors, uh, I guess the one who plays Gordon, mentioned that they've got cell phones and stuff like that. In none of the clips did we see anything 
that really dated it, I would say, later than the 80s. Yeah, the cars had kind of a 70s vibe to them, but nothing that was so outrageously 70s that you said, oh, wow, I just got thrown into the 70s. Uh, The clothing was very classic, very nice and very polished, but not the wide lapels of the 70s. It, It was not signature of any time period. Yeah. But it was set in the then, not yeah. in the now. Yeah. And that, that artful uh, blend of that. Yeah, it was very nicely done. Uh, at one point, because like you said, they were somewhat redundant mm-hmm. in some of the interview material. Uh, but that gave us the chance to stop listening and paying, hanging on their every word, really. You could look at more of the background. What's going on? I've seen the scene before. What's on the desks? Yeah. What's going on with this other character? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I started asking you, OK, are we seeing the phones on the desks? Are we seeing the computer monitors? And that's when we noticed that we weren't seeing flats screens but we were seeing crts yeah yeah and i liked that i i liked that feeling of okay it's not today Mm -hmm. and you pointed out to me at one point i haven't seen a single digital clock yeah because in my mind i i kind of want this to be set 20 30 years ago to where we would have an adult contemporary batman today which could then interact if they so chose with the Flash, with Arrow, with those other characters they're doing. And whether that'll ever come to pass, who knows? I would love for it to do so. But they've made that option available to themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think they've gotten a good approach on this. I just worry about, is it going to be the villain of the week? Is it going to be, you know, all set up, no payoff? There are a lot of things that could go wrong with this. I don't think they will. Well, one of the interesting things they said, going to your comment of will it be the villain of the week, is they spoke as much about this being the origin story of the great villains of Gotham Mm -hmm. as it being the origin of the relationship between Bruce Wayne and uh, James Gordon. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very interesting. In fact, I think and it could be because we watched the special about Fish Mooney and the special about, you know, so many people that they talked a lot about, you know, we're going to get, and you're my comic book expert, you can now insert the names of all the people, but we're going to get the origin story of Penguin and Riddler and... Well, they mentioned Scarecrow, Poison Ivy, Catwoman. Um, There are a couple others I'm sure we're going to get over the course. And they were teasing... You know, you've got to tune in every week or you may miss the first appearance of the Joker. But it sounded like these were going to be arcs throughout the season and that these were going to be the regulars in the entire season. Well, it's not that we get the origin of, of the Riddler or the Penguin or whatever, but we see what leads up to and how they will become or how they over time become. It, it, it's like the uh, prequel uh, Star Wars films and, and the joke uh, one of the, the people had made of, you know, going to the dark side isn't like flipping a light switch. Yes. You know, when when um, uh, Anakin falls, it's a slow progression. Same thing here with, with Gotham and kind of the pivotal event of the Waynes dying and that changing the tone of the city. Well, and as they were talking about the city of Gotham, it may have just been my perspective on what they were saying, 
but I really felt like they were describing kind of the Al Capone era yeah. of a city. And I found that fascinating. It gave me an understanding of the show I'm going to watch. Well, I think they're trying to play up. You've got kind of the iconic aspects of the untouchables, the gangster era, prohibition. Not those specific periods in time, mm -hmm. but those aspects of yeah, time. Those qualities to what's going on in the city. And when they said that they're filming in New York, because yeah. it has so many of the qualities of Gotham, which and, I found interesting. And I think we'll have vibes of prohibition, not to say, oh, you can't drink or whatever, but the, the concept of the speakeasies, the, uh, the cops raiding the place, the... The hallmarks of that era. Well, and come to think of it, Fish Mooney's, you know, I was trying to think of a good thing to refer to it as. It had that vibe of a speakeasy. Yeah. You know, that's a great description. You know, I'm looking here at the official cast of the show, and first person they list is James Gordon. Second is his partner. Third up is well, Fish his Mooney. His partner is, is Harvey Bullock, who's from the comics. Yeah, third up is Fish Mooney, who they said is a brand new created for this show character. And I'm curious how soon she'll get pulled into the comics. Yeah, and uh, they had someone from D.C. who was talking Jeff Johns, about this. Jeff uh, Johns, chief creative officer, and who's done a lot of writing at D.C. Yeah, and I was very happy to see someone from D.C. weighing in on a character created for the show and how he felt about that. Well, and not just somebody i mean a very yes. pivotal somebody he's one of the upper echelon well let's put it this way someone whose name even i recognized as a non-comic book reader yeah okay i i concede i i knew the name that was something um but after fish mooney they list alfred and then the penguin is in the regular cast list. robin lord taylor plays the penguin and robin lord taylor that first off his name is robin in Gotham. I'm just saying, kind of <laughs> funny. Actually, um, what I loved is I finally found out the penguin has a real name or a... Uh, Oswald Cobblepot. Cobblepot. Yes. Now, what's interesting is they're playing him here as kind of a lackey or, or whatever of Fish Mooney mm. who makes a play to become someone. Mm -hmm. In the comics, and I think it was about 10 years ago, the shift they made is instead of him just being some guy... He was one of the Cobblepots, and they were one of, at mm. one time, the big families in Gotham, but had fallen into ill repute and, and destitute or whatever. But that whole part of society aspect over the last decade, they had played up, and they're not really going with that angle here. They're going with the concept of he wants to be somebody, but not that he feels necessarily, at least from the clips we saw, entitled to that as an heir, you know, to the city kind of a thing, like they've played up in the comics. And I'm curious if we'll ever get the Iceberg Lounge, uh, which he has in the comics, his casino and nightclub. I'm trying to think through the uh, skyline we saw in San Diego, because there was a casino there. And it could be. I mean, um, time will tell. Yeah. Uh, let's see. After Penguin, they list uh, Barbara Keene, who I believe is the girlfriend of Gordon. Of, of Jim Gordon. Yeah. And then finally, Bruce Wayne gets mentioned. Uh, back on Barbara. This yes. is the, the, the future or possibly present wife and then ex-wife of Commissioner Gordon, mother of Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and James Gordon Jr., 
who in the comics is is a bit of a, a psychopath. Well, he, he grew up in Gotham. What do you expect? Well, I have to admit, when I saw her name was Barbara, I just kind of assumed, oh, they get married. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify, it was not the one who would become Batgirl. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I did. I thought it was the daughter who became Batgirl. They're kind of playing with the timeline a little here in so much as Harvey Bullock is uh, a longtime cop in Gotham. Okay, and he's already that way when when he meets up with the young Jim Gordon, who's brand new on the job, having returned from the military. And they don't really seem to say, at least in what we saw, what he's done in the military. Yeah. Just that he's been off in the military for 10 years, which I kind of liked. They didn't go with the and just back from Iraq again, making it timeless. Exactly. Exactly. But he's one. Bullock is one that. In the comics, uh, Gordon had started in Chicago and then transferred to Gotham. Mm. So Bullock may have become a cop later than Gordon, but earlier in Gotham than Gordon. But Montoya, Renee Montoya, who I believe was created for the Batman animated series, that cartoon by Bruce Timm and Paul Dini, uh, is being brought in, as is, um, I think it was Detective Allen. Yeah, Allen is listed here. Did they give a first name for him? Crispus. Crispus Allen, yes. He's one that um, was in Gotham Central, as was Renee Montoya, when they did an actual uh, uh, comic book uh, police procedural. Greg Rucka did it, I believe, great stuff. And later, uh, a lot of those characters, not a lot, but uh, Renee Montoya um, became The Question, and uh, Crispus Allen became uh, The Spectre for a little bit. Um, hopefully they won't go that direction here, but you never know. In other words, if we ever see, uh, Jim Corrigan, who I think we will in Gotham, um, who becomes, who was the original Spectre, I would expect kind of an exchange of glances sort of a thing between. Acknowledgement at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, this isn't going to work out well for either of us sort of a thing. Um, but there's a lot of potential I think the show has. Um, by the time this episode goes up, I think the first episode will have already aired, maybe the second. And I, I think DC's got a lot riding on this just because of the, the high profile nature. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not the only show they've got. Um, just uh, today, in, in addition to the ones we're going to talk about on this TV season of, of Gotham, Arrow, Flash, and Constantine... They've got iZombie waiting in the wings for mid-season replacement, I believe. Mm-hmm. They have announced uh, a Supergirl series has gotten uh, a series commitment from CBS, Titans from uh, TNT, and I thought there was one or two others. Well, what I noticed with the Supergirl announcement was they were saying basically it's conceivable next season every major network could have a DC show on it. That, that just or at blows least a comic book my show. mind. And there was also talk of a Suicide Squad movie. Yes. Which again, Arrow, I mean, these properties are so widely accepted and entertaining that every time I look at the comic book sales, as you know, I do that often, and I see just a drop in the bucket, a top selling comic, 100, 150,000. Yeah. You know, more people are, are watching the commercials on these things during an episode than the... Than, than watch one of these comics. Well, but... Or TV shows, but you don't... Yeah, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is that there is just so much depth and material for these TV shows to draw from. 
Well, the creativity that has gone into these comic properties over the years is just phenomenal. Even non-comic book-based TV shows in recent years have had an aspect of the superheroic, or at least the, the superpowers, if you will. You've got the the Sherlock Holmesian detectives in so many shows that have superhuman deductive abilities. Um, well, and that can actually take us to one of the next shows I wanted to discuss, mm-hmm. which is Forever. We watched the the pilot for that. That was available on the ABC.com uh, website. Yeah. And part of the description of the show is that the lead character has Sherlockian observation abilities. And was uh, the same actor who played Mr. Fantastic. Ian Graffold or whatever it was. Yes, I cannot pronounce his name. I do not speak Welsh. I apologize. He does an excellent job in the pilot of Forever. It's about a guy who has lived for a few hundred years, uh, cannot die, keeps getting reborn, and is trying to figure out the mystery of that. Mm-hmm. And it's got a great cast. It's got some really good writing, uh, a bit of wit, um, not quite gallows humor, but... No, but, I mean... I- I don't think it counts as a spoiler to repeat the line, hang me once, shame on you, hang me twice. Yeah. He, he remembers the pain and the experience of dying. So it's not like he's truly immortal. He's more like, almost like Resurrection Man from the comics where he keeps getting reborn as himself. And that's a series that no concrete particular strong ties to the comics, but thematically very much, you know, could have been. Well, and, you know, we discussed it during the commercial breaks that ABC.com was kind enough to throw in for us. Uh, that when they say minimal commercial breaks, they mean the number of unique commercials, not the number of times they aired. I'm just, just saying. saying. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I, I loved the trailers for A Winter's Tale, which I've picked up on DVD and not yet had a chance to mm-hmm. watch. But... One of the taglines for that was, what if there was a love so powerful that it meant you couldn't die? And there was an aspect of that, not exactly, but an aspect of that to what seems to have triggered his immortality. A a what if you... I, I likened it more to, and this is in the pilot, so I don't think it's a, a spoiler. Well, it's in the first five or ten minutes. Okay. Uh, he is telling how he got this way, and it was basically somebody, uh, a black slave, was, was about to get killed, and, and he tries to prevent that. Fails miserably and gets killed. The black slave take. was going to be thrown overboard for having a fever. Yeah. Bottom line, he tries to save somebody. Yeah. If you go back a couple of seasons, closing in on a decade ago, I guess six, seven years ago, to New Amsterdam, mm. his origin was trying to save a local uh, Indian woman in uh, the New York area from soldiers. So somebody was going to wrongfully kill somebody. So strong parallels there. And that was a police detective who had been alive for the last 400 or so years. He's got this older person whom he's known their entire life, much like the role Judd Hirsch plays here Mm -hmm. in Forever. So, And and this guy here uh, in Forever is a medical examiner working with the police to solve crimes now. Mm -hmm. So strong parallels. Yeah, and uh, at least when I watched it, New Amsterdam was available, I want to say, on Hulu.com for free. I think that's where I watched it. It had like eight episodes. I really recommend it. Great series. This one is very similar and very different. 
forever. I mean, it it had those lighthearted moments with a sense of humor that just kind of caught you and made you laugh out loud with mm-hmm. the, really, did they just say that? Um, it's got one of the guys who was in Avatar, Joel David Moore. He played the technician that was setting up the, okay, here's how you get into the, the Avatar thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's done. He's had a recurring role on Bones for mm-hmm. several years. And this character is noticeably different from the character on Bones, and yet similar enough that you could almost say, hmm, wonder if they considered Bones an audition for this. Yeah. You know, but he's a, he's great in his scenes. Every cast member is well chosen for their role. Yeah, it it's a show that the premise, uh, not original, again, New Amsterdam, very similar, but it's a strong execution of it. Mm-hmm. The cast is very strong. The writing is strong. Uh, I, I, I question how long it'll stick. And I say that not because of anything wrong with it. I think they've got everything going for them. But then I look at how a few seasons back, New Amsterdam lasted eight episodes. Yeah. It's it's a tough, tough market these days. Well, and it's a matter of people finding it and giving it a chance and recognizing that these days there really are so few, quote, original ideas because everything has been tried. What's the old joke? There are only seven plots. Yeah. You know, these days it comes down to execution and skillfulness of it. And I've watched a few shows where it was a, you know what, that actually was a good script, but they miscast. I, I Again, I think they've got the right cast. I think they've got the writing. I think they've got everything mm-hmm. working for them. Yeah. It's just a question in this crowded of a, a genre TV season, will it, will it find the audience? Yeah. I hope it does. So why? This is a show that I can see enjoying watching for quite a while. Yeah. You know, it... It's got, like I said, it was the sense of humor that just kept bringing me back after each commercial break. Anyone who watches it, and again, it's available on the ABC.com website. And there's the 22nd, I believe. It's the first episode. Okay, or will have well, aired possibly yes. by then, but whatever. Well, whatever uh, day of the week that is. That's uh, it's, Oh, the 23rd is actually its weekly, so that's Tuesdays. Tuesday nights, yeah. Um, but anyone who likes that show, uh, go to Hulu, check out New Amsterdam, mm-hmm. different takes, similar concept. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Other show we want to talk about that is sticking to, cause it's forever got mentioned cause it's first episode is airing on Monday. Okay. Sticking to Monday, Scorpion. Uh, Scorpion. We watched the trailer for that. That's basically... A group of uh, geniuses gets hired slash co-opted by the government. Yeah, Homeland Security comes in in the form of, from Terminator, Robert Patrick, I believe. Robert Patrick. He was also in the unit. He was also in a number of other things. Yeah, he's the lead uh, uh, government agent that it's like, this kid... Goofy, as he may seem, is one of the five smartest people on the planet. Surrounding him is this person who's a human calculator, uh, 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 what was the other one? Um, A mechanical genius, and the other one was like a psychologist or whatever. uh, A statistics guru, an expert behaviorist behaviorist, who can read anyone, a mechanical prodigy. 
So yeah. basically, you've got the people skills, the math skills, the the technical skills, and well, just an all around genius to tie it together. It's interesting though, because it's not exactly people skills. It's that the person fair can point read people. I guess you would say, but none of them can actually interact skillfully with people. These are uber geeks, and the one guy has personality deductive capability or whatever. It's, yeah, he can read people. He can figure out what they would think, but actually using it in a real-time mode for social interaction? Yeah, not so much. Yeah. In fact, what we watched tonight was what they called the first look, and one of the commercials I've seen airing, uh, they're in the diner where Mm -hmm. they've basically co-opted this diner and thrown all the customers out, and they're talking about, okay, if we screw this up and don't solve this problem these are the negative ramifications and they start talking about how thousands of people could die and the fiery mess it'll be blah 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 well the one waitress who's there has her nine-year-old son and she's hearing all this realizing her nine-year-old is hearing all this she comes around the counter and says stop yeah you're scaring the kid that's funny um because i hadn't seen that trailer yeah this was one where the, the the one the trailer we watched seem to recap most of what the pilot episode's going to cover. Not the finale of it, but a lot of the key moments. So I question if that is going to, for people who've seen that, weaken the pilot. It reminds me, in some respects, of Leverage. I don't think it'll frankly be as well written, because that was a really well-crafted show. Well, and Leverage had a a cleverness and an intrigue to solving the problems a how are they going to con people into doing what they want to do yeah whereas this is a how are brilliant minds going to outthink the problem well and the other difference i think is this is going to be a bunch of geeks whereas leverage had a bunch of disparate quasi-criminal personalities a con artist by and large you know, hacker, thief, mastermind, uh, the muscle, whatever, the grifter. Were, and Leverage had a style, a tone, a rhythm to mm-hmm. it. You know, you had the different things that played well together. This show with Scorpion has, it doesn't have that. It's got possibilities for stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be interesting to see how that pilot plays out, how the characters gel, mm-hmm. what sort of, of, uh, formula what sort of thing they get into after the pilot well and one of their for lack of a better word gimmicks is that the waitress gets brought in as basically a we need you to help us interface with the real world because we can't do that she, she's the token real person to to both help interact and, and to, to care for them to, to manage yes. them i would imagine yeah and the lead leader of the group of geniuses basically tells her if you will do that for us we will teach you how to interact with your nine-year-old who you have never fully been able to interface with because you basically thought he was autistic and didn't know he was a genius yeah he's operating on a different wavelength we understand that we can help and that was one that i thought that aspect uh played out well in what we saw i'm looking forward to it it looks like fun but it's also one that either is going to really catch on or could be a fast casualty of the season. Well, it reminds me of the story of Hogan's Heroes, 
which was when they took the pilot to the first network and said, here's the show we want to put on the air, it got turned down. And when they said, what's wrong with it? They said, it's too funny. You'll never be able to maintain that that level and do it more than once. And there was just so much high energy and high octane and drama and explosions and oh my God in this that I'm wondering, can they do that week after week? There's a certain, we need to do this now. Okay, next step, do this, do this, do this. Um, It reminded me a little bit, and I don't think you may have seen this. Um, There was a pilot episode done and I, I saw an airing of it. Uh, I forget if it was at a convention or where of, um, or maybe it was just online somewhere, uh, of uh, Global Frequency. It had um, uh, the person who played Ensign Rowe, uh, who's on Orphan Black now, um, I don't, Michelle Forbes. There you go. Her and somebody else, they were basically paired up as agents of, of this Global Frequency. There's an operator, I forget if her name was Zero or whatever, but it was basically, you've got this special phone. A thousand people on the planet have it. When something like this, because in, in Scorpion, the, the basic thing is somebody is, has corrupted the uh, air traffic control system at LAX. In, in, in the global frequency world, certain people's phones would ring. You have an hour, you know, whatever the time frame is to solve this. Somebody would be an expert in this or an expert in that, much like, you know, an expert uh, behavioralist or genius, uh, uh, you know, mathematician or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's parallels there. Mm -hmm. Again, it'll be fun to see how it goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they can maintain the level of what they put in that first look and keep that intensity and drama because they made it look really interesting. Well, if they can do that for a couple episodes, they then have the option of doing one. Where just not much happens, and they go bored and get idle and get dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they almost have to fabricate something. Yeah, I don't know. There are a lot they could do. Yeah. Um, now, we weren't really going to talk about shows that are returning, but Sleepy Hollow is returning. Blacklist is returning. Now, Sleepy Hollow I haven't watched, so can't really talk about that. I would like to get you into that. That's been a little creepier than I like, but it had some good story arcs I in generally don't do creepy, and you I know, know that. Uh, Blacklist, we had started watching. I think we got to the Stewmaker episode. And have not continued with that. Again, I've got a low, low threshold for gore and stuff, but it's James Spader, so we've got those stacked up on the DVR. Yeah, what we watched was so good and seemed well written that I really, at some point, even if I have to cover my eyes for quite a bit, I do want to try and catch up on that one. What else we got? Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., comes back man that did such a turnaround around the time of the winter soldier that took a show that was that was okay it was good it was it was all right Mm -hmm. but not wow and then they did the whole bit with hydra having you know uh, uh, coming into fruition and stuff in the show tied into what was going on in the winter soldier and they brought in um uh, Patton oswald uh yes and trip and trip but Patton oswald great actor really adds a fun dynamic to the show they swap out one of the characters, bring in a character named Trip, who ties into the Howling Commandos. And I think we're going to get some some aspects of that in the upcoming season. I think they've kind of, I don't want to say learned their lesson, but I think they're realizing what was and wasn't working, which is part of the, why they did the turn, the end of the season they did. 
and left the show in a, a, a new state where they play and operate by different rules now. I think we'll see a lot more Marvel stuff being brought in, uh, original to the show. I'm looking forward to that. I, I hope it does well. Well, and I really felt that with Winter Soldier and all the changes that happened at that point, the show became more focused. It seemed to, to have seemed a to have mission. A point. Yeah. And I really think that helped it to really gain its footing. Well, and you know, that's one of the things that I think Arrow had going for it of Oliver always had this mission to, to save the city. Yeah. It may be a little, how is he going to do it? Or a little nebulous in other regards, but it was very much, he had something to do. Yeah. Colson's team was just to, to go handle missions nobody else does. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping for quite a bit and maybe that's saying my hopes too high, but I'm hoping for more out of season two because they finished a lot stronger than they started out in season one with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. After recording uh, the last episode I did with Chris Marshall, and he had mentioned during the episode of uh, a decent price for the DVD set for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I have ordered that on Amazon. Uh, so when we get that, we'll go through the special features. We'll probably do an episode on that. I it's a good show. That. It is. Uh, person of Interest is returning. I am really curious how that's going to work this season, because where they left it, definite game changer, change in direction. They've got to go kind of underground. I'm almost wondering if they're going to be able to work as a team or not. What? Has it jumped the shark? Well, and can they work as a team or not is the big question. And I think in a lot of ways, they did reset back to the beginning of season one and the strengths in terms of they're back to being underground. And I kind of liked that. They weren't hiding as much this last season. Fair point. Fair point. I guess they'd gotten complacent. I can see this season starting off in a couple of different ways and going in a couple of different directions. So I'm, I'm a little uncertain where it's going. It's been a very well-written show, great cast, um, a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I love that original premise of they get a number and all they really know is this person needs help. They don't know if this person is someone who needs protection or this person is about to commit a crime and needs someone to basically be their This person conscience. is the focal point of an event, and whether they're the victim or perpetrator is unclear. Yeah. And I'm a little unclear as to what state their machine is versus the Samaritan one that's been brought online that they've got to hide from, and, and how all that plays out. Well, and I did like that they kind of left it with... Samaritan has a blind spot, if you will, and doesn't see them as long as they abide by certain rules. They've got cover identities that, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's got it, some good potential going it does, forward. But it, if used wrong, those, those yes. covers could be very limiting. Yeah. Uh, Resurrection returns at about that point. I actually have not been watching that. I, I started with the pilot and it just didn't hook me. Yeah, and that's one I'd like to get you to uh, to watch. It's based on a book, and there's this wonderful misconception going around. I heard it from at least five different people out at San Diego Comic-Con, and people kept saying, oh, it's based on a French TV show or movie that's so much better. And no, I went and I looked, and it turns out that's not true. It's only based on a U.S. book. Interesting. Again, I tried the pilot, and it just... Uh, there's enough other things for me to be watching. 
is really, I think, what it came down to, that it didn't quite make the cut. I can certainly see that. Uh, It's one that I think if you kind of marathon it through, it all just kind of stacks up. And I think doling it out week by week, there have been a lot of shows a little slow. I think when we watched Heroes and Marathon the first half season, if we hadn't done that, I don't know that we would have stuck with the show. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, Resurrection was one that I was a little on the fence with until the end of the season. And I was like, oh, hey, it all kind of paid off so far. Okay, I'm I'm getting on board with this. And now I actually want to go read the book, having heard a lot yeah. of people saying they're enjoying the show, but the book was even better. So people have got me curious. Uh, we watched the trailer for Mysteries of Laura, which I'm not sure that'll make my cut. Deborah Messing as a uh, homicide detective with uh, a family life, two kids, etc., I see where they're going. I see what they're trying to do, but it it seemed like another police procedural with with the lead cop having a life. And frankly, we've seen that on things like uh, well, the Canadian show King is a good example. I think we've seen other ones that may may have carried it off better than what the the trailer was. Yeah. the The trailer looked okay, but the fact that it gave away the end of the pilot. Or at least I presume the end of the pilot of what happens with a certain character and who done it. It's like, wow, I see how that spins the thing. But unless that's the first act of the first episode, you really spoiled too much. Nothing else in there really made me think, wow, I should watch this. Yeah. It's it's just another police procedural. And it maybe turned out to be a good one, but uh, at this point it's not on, on my list. Well, and part of my problem is, honestly, there's a little too much competition for my time this season. That's a lot of it, too. You know, I'm sitting here looking at the list. We've already discussed nine shows, Mm -hmm. and we still have more to go, which is why I'm attempting to keep us going. All right, let's keep going. Uh, How to Get Away with Murder. You know, that's one. It's another Shonda Rhimes show. Yes, it is. I'd watched the first couple of seasons of, of Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, I will concede, gets a little soap opera at times. It spends too much time in the operating room for those it's of us with a weak stomach. It's incredibly gory, but, but it's very compelling. It is. It, it's it, addicting. It, that's the word. And, you know, the How to Get Away with Murder trailer flat out said, this will become your next obsession. And I get why they said that. They plan to addict you. I, I plan on watching the pilot and we'll go from there. Um, Scandal is another Chandra Rhimes show that is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. And the twists that come in Mm. Scandal, you know, every time they pull one out, you don't necessarily see it coming, but when they pull it, you're like, oh, whoa, they dropped breadcrumbs. Well, that's the thing is Chandra Rhimes shows tend to have, particularly with Scandal and stuff, both the subtle and and the, the shock and awe. They've got enough flash bang stuff that you can't miss the overly melodramatic speeches the characters give one another the 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 outbursts the relationships the twists the turns the the fireworks if you will yeah that they can sneak a number of things just kind of in it's like yep we're laying the siege for this laying the seed and then bam it blows up it's like man i should have seen that coming yeah i mean some of the stuff they did in in scandal brilliant writing yeah, there have been so many times when I have turned to you and asked, 
can't Shonda Rhimes, who is way too busy as it is and is raising, I believe, small children, can't she add another 10 hours to her day and go teach half the writers on shows I'm slightly disappointed in how to put those twists in, how to lay those breadcrumbs? Yeah, I don't care how to commit a murder, but how to write better, that that's a... Yes. I, the how to commit a murder, though, in fairness, um, looks to have a, a, a... How to get away with murder. How to get... Uh, okay, how to get away with murder. My mistake. All so different. Um, I guess one would be the actual killing, and now yes. the other is just getting off on yes. the technicality or what have you. And I will say, if you haven't watched it yet, if you haven't seen the trailer yet, at the very least, even if you don't plan to watch the show... Go tune into the trailer and listen to Viola Davis turn around from the chalkboard and say, and I call this class, How to Get Away with Murder. I love her delivery of that line. She's got a great delivery on that. She's got a great role, a great angle on the role. Yes. And plays clearly another very strong, powerful woman. Yes. uh, Which, again, Shonda Rhimes shows tend to have a lot of. And it... It's one that, depending how much I like the pilot, I don't think it'll be bad. I think it'll mm-hmm. be brilliant. It just comes down to, will I will I click with it enough to, to keep going with it or not? Because, well, again, it's a very busy TV season. It is. From what I've read up on it, it's going to take two or three episodes for them to spell out, here's what we plan to throw at you this season. But they're going to have, and they hinted at it yeah. at the end of what we watched tonight, but they're going to have a, a good little mystery and twist in there to let us go with the holy smokes, are these characters in trouble or what? It, it seems like a good water cooler show in so much as it gives you something to talk about at work the next day. Yeah. Well, and, you know, ABC recognizes the strength of what they have with Shonda Rhimes, and they have made a, thank God it's Thursday, and they're just stacking up her three shows together. Wow. That, that, and, that's smart, because it, what appeals what appeals to the audience of one show is going to be the other shows. There's going to be a strong enough similarity and vibe, yet they're different enough, different stories. I can totally see that. Yeah. I mean, she's taking what she did to washington dc she's taking what she did to medical school and working at the hospital and she's doing it to law school yeah should be fun you know so i'm again i'm looking forward to that one yeah i'll definitely try it just Uh, depends if i stay with it i was gonna bring up scandal next but we basically mentioned that anyone who's not watching scandal go to netflix hulu wherever it is go watch the first season and then keep going it is a really strong show mm. has some great characters, great actors, brilliant writing. Highly recommended. Yeah, it. It's a little melodramatic and soap opera at times, but the political machinations and stuff like that are also a lot of fun. I was gonna say it's one of those shows where you just stop at the end of each episode and go, "Thank God, this is make believe." Well, there are also a couple of times is like, did they just do what I thought they did? Wow, that really changes stuff. That reveal, I've got to rethink things. Yes. And I love that. Yeah, and they they love playing with what you think you know, what you think you understand, and just making you, you stop and actually think about the show. There was one episode where they were one of the things with with one of the characters. 
that they they basically show some stuff. Uh, I think it was like a montage, and you're like, you know, everything I've thought about what's going on with this character for the last half season, I've been played mm-hmm. and played fair. Yes. Yeah. Um. And yeah, just some brilliant, brilliant stuff. Great, great show. Yeah, and the actors are just. I mean, it's not just that they're well cast in their roles, it's that they are superbly talented to pull off some of the stuff they've been given. Yeah. You know, uh, there was an actor on Touched by an Angel who played the Angel of Death. And he used to tell the story that whenever he got on airplane, the people who would sit down next to him would sit down and then do a double take. Yeah, not who you want to sit next to on a plane, I guess. Yeah, and you know, there are times when I think there are certain characters from Scandal that I don't think I'd want to sit next to on an airplane. And then I'd have to remind myself, oh wait, they're they're just an actor. It's just a TV show. But they they really pour themselves into the roles. They do it so well. Uh, the next show on the list is Once Upon a Time. All right, we I, I marathon that one. Uh uh, about a year or so back, I guess it was. And then you got me to marathon it because you wouldn't stop talking about it. It had some great stuff. It's, it did. It's, I had just kind of chalked it up originally as well. It's a knockoff from Fables. Who knows how it'll do, whatever. I'd been curious about it and I'd been recording it. And then it was taking up so much room on the DVR and I wasn't watching it that I thought, well, I might delete it. And that was about the time when you said, no, no, watch it. I forget what it was that that pushed me to to do it. Either somebody had said something or they were going to do a... uh, There's someone we either need to thank or hate. And I apologize for forgetting what what prompted me to... It may have been that Marvel was doing a um, graphic novel based Mm. on it or some such. Anyways, I'd heard a lot about it. I knew it was similar to Fables, but very different. Watched it. Really fell in love with the show. It's fun... It plays with the the fantasy, the the fairy tale, the heroic, the the evil, the good, the bad, the the true love, you know, all that kind of stuff. Again, gets a little sappy at times. But they do an excellent job of having themes for, if not an entire season, then for a batch of eight episodes or a half season or an entire season. Well, they have arcs. Yeah. And I also love the way that they fold the fables and, and fairy tales kind of in on top of one another. You know, I loved it when I believe it was Grumpy mm-hmm. met Belle in a bar, well, a tavern. Well, they, they interact certain ways uh, across the, the fairy tales and how Rumpelstiltskin was the crocodile uh, in Peter Pan, was the beast in Beauty and the mm-hmm. Beast. And it allows them to kind of condense the cast a little mm-hmm. and see different facets of them. So brilliant yeah. show. Really well done. Snow White being friends with Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we watched the, the trailer for season four. And I'm baffled. It was a horrible trailer. Most of it was kind of sort of a recap of what we'd seen before. But there was like a, 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 a voiceover going on. It, it just, was some like, cryptic, threw the context out. It was some cryptic poem I have yet to decipher. It was as if it were a fable or fairy tale that we just didn't know or care about. Yeah. Now I would like to say that up until now, I have absolutely loved the show because I've been familiar with everything that they have put into it. I knew Mulan, 
etc. Yes. Now, at this point, I've never seen Frozen. And I'm feeling obliged to watch it. Same here. I haven't watched it. Um, One of the podcasts about podcasts I listen to is the Audacity to Podcast. Uh, And the guy who does that, whose name I am blanking on at the moment, and it sucks. Um, It's the Ramen Noodle uh, uh, is, is one of the other names. He does a clean comedy podcast. He's known for that. Anyways. I apologize for that. Anyways, he does a podcast on Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. And one of their more recent episodes is Frozen for Once Upon a Time fans. In other words, if you haven't watched the animated movie, it's going to be pulling into the thing. So, excellent move on, on yes. his part. Uh, uh, Daniel Lewis, I think it is. Uh, um, now, I will say that I happen to get the channel Stars, mm-hmm. which as an Outlander fan, I'm really grateful I get. Yeah. Um, and Stars happens to have Frozen on it, so I plan to watch it on video on demand yeah. before Once Upon a Time starts up. We should definitely do that because I'm curious too. Yeah, I but just it, it seems like the Disneyification of stuff that they've been doing, which I was okay with before. It just seems like they're pushing it a little too far this time. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're now tying not so much into a fairy tale, but a specific movie. Well, and I get that Frozen was exceedingly popular, but I thought it was exceedingly popular with a younger generation than tunes into Once Upon a Time. So I'm wondering, I mean, I guess the parents took the kids, mm-hmm. but I'm, like I said, I feel obliged to watch a movie. Yeah. So that's just my little thing. Again, enjoying the show, but that's another one I'm cautiously optimistic about this season. You know, same with uh, Person of Interest and um, what was the other one I thought might have jumped the shark? We were just talking about it. Damn, I am so forgetful these days. Hmm. I don't think it was Maybe, S.H.I.E.L.D. No, 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 it wasn't S.H.I.E.L.D. Maybe it was Person of Interest. It was Person of Interest. Yeah, That's the only with, one I thought. Okay, where they've just changed it up enough yeah. that it may have jumped the shark. Anyways, um, Once Upon a Time is at risk of that. I, I thought Once Upon a Time Wonderland was also a lot of fun. So, yeah. what's the next show? Uh, the next show I'm only going to briefly mention, and that's Revenge. I know you don't watch it. Have not watched that yet. Uh, um, I'm a big fan of Revenge, and part of why I do want to mention it is because it's basically a... The premise is, if the Count of Monte Cristo, or a current day thing, had a daughter, she was the one who decided to go and get revenge on the people who ruined his life. Got it. Okay, there's your premise. Uh, the reason I mention it is, A, I like it, but B, uh, Marvel Comics did a tie-in comic book that was one of her training missions. I, I remember that they had solicited that. Yeah. It's getting to where there are a lot of comic and TV tie-ins, both because the some of the publishers are doing continuations of shows or tie-in uh, graphic yeah. novels in the case of Revenge. Castle, a lot of the Derek Storm stuff has become graphic yeah. novels. And I was just, I was fascinated by that because I thought, you know, that's a really interesting gap that the show has hinted at, where the character was in juvie, she gets out of juvie at age 18, and all we know is she went to Japan, she got trained, she did, quote, some missions, and then she comes back, something like when she's 25 or Mm -hmm. older, and she starts getting her revenge. And that's what we've been seeing. Okay. So finding out how she became trained to be a sharpshooter and to poison people. Right, right. And do all these things could be very interesting. So I thought that was kind of clever. 
Uh, next up is Castle. Huh, you happen to mention Again, it. Castle uh, has had a number of tie-ins. Uh, more of the Derek Storm stuff than the actual what's happening in Castle with Richard Castle. But sort of the stuff as if it were written by him. Now, I will mention, I've read the first Castle novel, and I have to say they captured the mannerisms of the actors who had allegedly been the models for characters mm-hmm. in the book so perfectly. Now, was that one of the Derek Storm ones? No, it was one of the Heat Nikki ones. Heat ones, okay. Yeah. The comics are doing the Derek Storm stuff, which predates yeah. Castle's involvement with those characters. So it doesn't really have that... That tie-in Tie-in feel. connection. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm loving the show. They're taking a little bit of a twist. It looks this season, at least initially, how long that lasts, don't know. But great cast, uh, fun show. Yeah, Castle is one I, I highly recommend to people. Um, I'm going to drift off of the major networks ever so briefly to mention The Listener having its fifth season on ION. Starts up the 30th. Listeners worth pointing out, we were just up in uh, Toronto for the Fan Expo Canada there. That show was shot there. Um, and it's it's fun seeing some of the sites that you see on the show when you're in the town and stuff. That was a show I got hooked on early. I guess it was on CBS originally for half a season. It was either CBS or NBC. I forget which. It was, it was on one of the two net, one of the networks. You know, and when I looked it up, we were talking the other day that it had more of a sci-fi feel to it in those first season episodes. The first two seasons, Space, which is ah. kind of the sci-fi channel of Canada, was one of the people in on the production of it. And we were talking also about the fact that it seemed to take like six or seven years for them to make five seasons. And we wondered about it. Well, then there's this hiatus and it went to CTV, which is more like one of their ABC, NBC type mm-hmm. networks. And it came back for three more seasons. And it was less sci-fi and more cop procedural. Well, when the premise of the show is uh, Toby is a, a paramedic who's telepathic. Mm-hmm. Always has been. And it's getting to where he's starting to have uh, read people about their mind and sensing murders or, or other things. And in the first season, gets involved with a cop named Charlie. Uh, and she helps him and finally learns he's telepathic and, and stuff like that. Um, and solves a number of crimes that way. So it's kind of a how do you get this guy in there? Still have a lot of scenes at the hospital. You've got his his buddy Oz that's his his partner on the ambulance and stuff like that, who later learns he's telepathic, etc. Uh, things end badly for Charlie. She dies end of first season. They then switch up to the next season for the uh, Integrated Investigation Bureau or some something such. Something like that, yeah, IIB. Yeah, they're fictional equivalent of a Canadian FBI sort of a thing. It's a, a cross-departmental police agency thing. Mm-hmm. So he's got to get some other people up to speed. And they, over the years, uh, fade out of the hospital stuff more into the typical police procedural and just having somebody who can read people's mind Mm -hmm. and get snippets of stuff uh just surface thoughts or whatever it's not like a deep probe it's not like professor x or anything it's just what's on the surface leaks out and they they talk periodically about the fact you have to ask a person the right question to get them to be thinking about the right thing for him to basically read the answer to the question you're trying to get answered. It's the kind of thing you ask, you know, where did you put the gun? 
if they think of where they put the gun, he'll get it. If they don't, you won't. Mm -hmm. So you go on the wrong path, it doesn't work. But if you have him in the interrogation room and he can steer the questions. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, and they play really well with this, we need evidence to back all of this up. Yes. So he's able to kind of make it seem like he's bluffing or or playing certain angles or whatever. To, to get them to reveal where the evidence is so they can get the evidence to back the stuff up. It's mm-hmm. it's fun how they do that. And it's a really great cast. Uh, some fun writing. It takes itself seriously, but not too seriously. It has fun with it. And I love the way they have established this character of Toby as just a really good guy. His buddy Oz, and both of them, the friendship they've had is just so well played at times. Yeah, it's an excellent, strong, and understanding friendship. Uh, these guys are practically brothers for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. And for a while, they're living next door to one another. So Oz will just come in, you know, grab a beer or whatever, and it'll be like Toby's last beer. Or he's about to drink it, and he says, oh, I could use a beer. Here it is. You know, yeah. gives him his last beer. Kind of. That's the kind of guy he is. It's, it's a fun show. Mm-hmm. It's airing on Ion. It's well worth checking out. It's good episodic type stuff. There's a little, you know, that, that uh, arcs from episode to episode. It's got... Um, Lauren Lee Smith. She was in uh, Mutant X. Mm-hmm. It's got Peter Stebbings. Uh, from Jeremiah. From and Jeremiah. Crossbones. And Crossbones. Um, it's got anyway, uh, Rainbow uh, Sun Franks, who's in uh, first season of Stargate Atlantis. Ennis mm-hmm. uh, Esmer, who plays uh, Oz, is on one of the uh, Amazon shows right now, Red Oaks. Didn't realize that. He's, he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. So, fun show. A uh, little further afield than, than the main networks, but mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoy it. Well, and when I was looking up the information, I found that ION has also gotten the rights to a Canadian show called Saving Hope, which has uh, Michael Shanks. Michael Shanks, Erica Durantz, thinking one or two um, other people, some, some decent names. I haven't watched that one yet. I watched a few of the first season episodes when they were on one of the other networks, and then it just kind of vanished... How and is the gore level on that? It's a hospital-based show. It wasn't bad. Okay, that was the one yeah. thing that had me a little worried. It's mostly about a guy in a coma. So there I just were, wasn't sure yeah. since it was set at a hospital how much time they'd spent there, in the ER. There were such. one or two scenes where I covered my eyes, okay. but really not that bad. Um, yeah, it's. I was really glad to see a Michael Shanks show coming back on the air. Well, again, Erica Durant, who played Lois Lane on Smallville for, for so many years. Yeah. And Michael Shanks uh, uh, played uh, Daniel Jackson on the Stargate stuff. Yeah. So uh, that that has me interested. Yeah. They announced that it was a third season. So I'm hoping that means that season two will also be showing up because I was only aware of a season one. As much as we're focusing on the main networks, it's worth pointing out that other networks like ION, TNT, FX, uh, there's a lot of great programming going on elsewhere. BBC mm. America. Yes. I mean, Doctor Who has just started back up. Uh, there are a couple episodes in with the the Peter Capaldi Doctor. And man, it I'll be honest, I haven't totally warmed to him. I think it's really Clara's season right now. Interesting. She's constantly just putting him in his place. It's like, you shut up. I'm going to deal with this. You don't know how. Because it's like his personal skills just didn't make it through the last regeneration. Mm. Um, but in kind of a fun way. Yeah. So it. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes. But again, a lot of these other networks have some great programs. Well, and I've been watching uh, Legends on TNT, and I'm... I've been meaning to watch that one. I haven't done that yet. TNT is one to watch. 
Yeah. Between um, Rizzoli and Isles. Rizzoli and Isles. Perception. Perception. Yeah, that's a that's a fun show. Of course, what are the odds? Every case this one FBI agent gets has somebody who has some neurological disorder that her friend, the neurology professor, can instantly identify and help solve the case with. Yeah, well, you know. Little cliche or whatever, whatever, but it's fun. And I love the characters. Well, and uh, I believe that's Eric McCormick. Um, Yes. He's doing an amazing job on Perception. What an acting job there. And LeVar Burton uh, has a recurring role there. He recurs there and he directs. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I was going one to one convention. I forget which one. And he tweeted, have to cancel going to the convention. I'm directing perception. And I thought, oh, but okay, you're directing a show I love. So I'll forgive you. As much as I would want to see LeVar Burton at a show, uh, a convention or whatever, as far as I'm concerned, he's kind of earned himself a little bit of a free pass just for the, the outstanding uh, work he did with uh, getting the Reading Rainbow stuff, a $5 million Kickstarter. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. And just for such a great cause, uh, encouraging reading and literacy and stuff like that. It's, yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, we watched the trailer for Stalker. That one, at first I couldn't place the lead actress, Maggie Q. Now, I haven't watched Nikita, which I think was her last show, but she did a, a good job in the the... She did. The, she did a great the trailer, job. and it was the guy from the practice and Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott, thank you. Mm-hmm. Horrible with names. Uh, he's in there. It's about stalkers. It almost seems like her character is stalking the stalkers to scare them off. I just, I'm, I'm going to watch the first episode or two because I'm real curious. It looks interesting. It looks a little creepy. A lot creepy. I was going to say, it's billed as a psychological thriller. Thrillers are not normally my thing because they get say. a little scary. But I I came out of the trailer a tad confused and a tad hopeful of, well, if they're going to outstock the stalker, this could be interesting. If they're going to play by their rules, there's a lot of fun you could have with that. I just am uncertain how, how dark yes. thematically the show might get. Mm-hmm. And if it's something that uh, I want to watch. Yeah. I I suspect it'll be well done. But yeah, I'm curious on that one. And this is listing uh, Elizabeth Rahm as one of the main uh, actresses from, uh, I want to say, Heroes and Law and Order. And also uh, first season of Angel, I think. There you go. So she was in a little bit of Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Second season. Yes. She's a great actress. So that's a Wednesday night show. Beauty and the Beast also has uh, Kristen Crook, who was Lana, uh, Lana Lang in Smallville. You know, it I, all ties to comics. Trust me. It does. And I looked for when Beauty and the Beast was coming back on. And we know it's coming back on because when we were in Fan Expo the last day, yes. walking back to the hotel, we passed the thing and we're like, well, what's that sign? We're filming Beauty and the Beast here in another day or two. It's like. Okay. And, you know, if I had known that around the corner from us for three days that Sean Bean was filming, I might have spent more time loitering over there. I'm just saying. Toronto seems like a a fun place to just hang around if you do it at the right time of filming. Yeah. Um, Okay, moving on to a Thursday night show, Grace Point. Now, I thought... I got a trailer for us to watch. And you may have. I just... uh... Yeah, but what we watched was actually somewhat entertaining to me because it was a very brief interview with David Tennant. Yes, who was the uh, 10th Doctor. 
Yeah. And what I had told John going into this was I'm a little baffled. Uh, he played David Tennant, played this character on... He plays Bro- David Tennant really yeah, well. Really. Uh, he played this character on Broadchurch. Uh-huh. And what the press releases were saying was he took the same character and now he's playing it in Grace Point for America. Except Broadchurch aired on BBC America, which in case you can't guess is for America. Yeah, I, I figured that part out. Yay, I'm very proud of you. So we watched this little clip and... And David Tennant is saying, so it starts with the same premise, except who done it going to be different. And I don't know who done it. Yeah. So if I don't do it, that's great. <laughs> I thought it was interesting because his hair was different. In, in Doctor Who, it was always kind of up. Here, it was kind of almost down a little in his face. And he looked fairly different. Uh, he's a very talented actor. Uh, mm. Did a brilliant job as the Doctor. This is one that... I may or may not check out. It's not due to a lack of interest so much as how many other things have I said, oh, yeah, I'm watching this, I'm watching that. Mm -hmm. There's only so many hours in the day. Now, it is just a 10-part event series. So I may let that stack up on the DVR and then just marathon through it on a weekend Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, and I can certainly understand where that would happen. Uh, It starts up October 2nd, so this may or may not be up before that. And I'm noticing that Nick Nolte is in it oh interesting interesting which just casting wise i like to notice those things um and then october 7th the flash finally comes on really looking forward to that that should be a lot of fun spinning out of arrow much more super heroic the fact that they've got not only the flash obviously they're setting the seeds to where they could do kid flash uh with the allens and stuff like that there uh, we see Weather Wizard, I believe, in the pilot, but we've got uh, the person uh, who will become, or in the comics, is Killer Frost uh, as one of the, the Star Labs techs he's working with. She was also in uh, the season or uh, episode or two of Arrow they did. Um, one of the Panabakers. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember which Panabaker. There are two I think it was very, Danielle. It's Danielle Panabaker. There are two very talented sisters, and I well, and mix we've their seen names. some of them because they were child actors on like Summerland and a few other shows. Yes, that uh, they just pop up every now. She was in an episode of Franklin and Bash last season. Yes, did a great job. Talented actress, uh, but her character, uh, Caitlin Frost, Caitlin, Caitlin Snow, Caitlin Snow. Got it wrong. Becomes Killer Frost in the comics. Enemy of Firestorm. Firestorm has been cast, or Ronnie Raymond's been cast, as Robbie Amell. I believe so. Now, I am going to say in John's defense, I'm cheating and staring at the press release. I do not know this from any knowledge of my own. Yeah, she's got her little tablet thing here, and she's zipping back and forth. I'm just doing this from memory. I just thought I'd be honest. But... Uh, Ronnie Raymond is going to be played by, uh, again, uh, Robbie Amell, cousin of Stephen Amell, Arrow. Yes. And it was funny because at Fan Expo, somebody asked, who on, on Flash would you like to work with the most? And he's like, I'm going to get it right this time. Last time I said this, I'm going to say it's Robbie Amell. You know? Yes, that was priceless. I, I could just imagine how much... Uh, awkwardness there was at the Canadian equivalent of a Thanksgiving family dinner sort of thing. They do have Thanksgiving in Canada. They're thankful that we got rid of the British or what? I don't know. Anyways, Mm -hmm. it was a funny answer. It Um, was. It was. But then they've got Cisco, who's uh, a vibe in the comics. 
they've got a lot of stuff they're thinking of pulling in from the comics. Uh, there was a mention of Ferris Aircrafts in the trailer we saw. Uh, I'm, I'm, Flash is one of my favorite characters, particularly the Barry Allen version. When I was first getting into comics, probably one of the earlier DC comics I started reading off the rack on a regular basis was The Flash, starting around the issue of uh, The Day It Rained, The Flash. Now, sh you're showing me here... Whoops. The key art. Oh, I flipped to something else. The key art that they have made for it is positively brilliant. It's a road scene. It, yeah, maybe I should hold it where I don't push one of the buttons on the bottom. Yeah, and the Flash is basically zigging around traffic. I want to see a higher-res version. This is the poster. Uh, discover what makes a hero the Flash, yada yada. I have heard that there are ten Easter eggs in here, but I haven't gotten a high-res version of this to go find them. Interesting. Uh, again, I've been the day it rained the flash around 280, uh, 278 maybe or so earlier. Uh, shortly after Iris had been killed off in the comics, uh, I he was going up against uh, Doctor Alchemy or Mister Element had been turned into gas, a uh, vapor or whatever. So he basically turned himself into a thunderstorm and rained himself back together. It was like, wow, this is crazy physics. Uh, but it was fun. Well, I can see one of the Easter eggs, and that is a cue for uh, Queen Consolidated on the top of one of the high rises. It went dark. I didn't notice that, but yes, I'm sure there are a lot. Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm impressed by their key art. I would love to see this, yeah. as you're saying, in a full-size poster, because I think it's beautifully done. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think they've got such a good track record based on Arrow that this same group of guys going and doing the spinoff of The Flash, and literally it is a spinoff, Barry showed up in season two of Arrow. And now there's talk, or not talk, a series commitment from CBS for these same guys to go do Supergirl. It's like, I'm really curious what take they're going to have there. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, this, again, embarrassment of riches as to how many comic book-based things, or even, if, I mean, not only just comic book-based things, of which there's a ton, but other things that I think will appeal to, to those of us in this audience. Now, one thing that intrigues me is that the CW has made the decision to put Flash on Tuesday nights with Supernatural and Arrow is on Wednesday with the 100. Somehow I thought Arrow and the Flash would end up on back-to-back -back night. I think they're doing this intentionally to where they could do a, a one-night, two-night crossover okay. versus essentially the equivalent of a two-hour movie on one uh, night. Okay. And try to use it to draw people into the shows leading in. I think it's a, a, a strategic programming decision. I'm sure Sam would have some thoughts on that, too. That's Yeah, that's interesting. I just, yeah. If I think about it, and I'll probably forget, so Sam, you're listening now, I know this. Uh, be tracking this, the, the ratings on these things. I'm curious how they're going to do. Maybe we'll do a uh, uh, episode periodically on, on how the shows are tracking. Yeah, well, and I believe that, because uh, the 100 doesn't premiere until the 22nd of October. I still haven't gotten around to watching the first season. Yeah, well, and we'll talk about the 100 in just a moment. DVRs with large hard drives are a wonderful thing. They are. Up until they're well, getting to where it's like, I've got how much to watch? Yeah. Um, but The Flash premieres the 7th, and then the 8th is Arrow. 
And I think they're going to be rerunning Flash episodes after Arrow for a few weeks until 100 premieres. Smart. I'm pretty it's sure like, that's hey, what I saw. If you missed this yesterday, here yeah. it is again. Yeah. I, I hope they build up the synergy between the two shows. Keep them separate. Keep them distinct. Cross them over. Tie, have mm-hmm. have comments that reference one another. Mm-hmm. Like the Super Collider stuff we got all season and stuff. Yeah. Little Easter eggs. And yes, they're in the same world. Yeah. Um, so let's, yeah, let's go to Arrow next. Cause that's actually coming on the night after Flash. Again, brilliant show. We just did two episodes on that. So we've talked a lot about it already. Uh, bringing in Raza Ghoul. Uh, they've got a lot of other characters they're planning on bringing in. Ray Palmer, uh, the Atom for one. That's a character that I would like to see also over on the Flash. Science hero kind of a thing. Could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the trailer, we watched um, Oliver asked Felicity to have dinner with him. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, Stephen Amell mentioned at Fan Expo that we're going to get the secret origin of Felicity Smoke, yeah. which I think is an excellent title for an episode. Uh, I love the friendship between Oliver and Felicity. I think it is phenomenal. I'm not sure I actually want to see them dating. Oh, I think they will date and realize it's just not going to work. And she will basically sort of forgive him for that, but wanted, wanted to have tried. Okay. Um, I can work with that. I, I don't think it'll be a ongoing relationship. I think she's seen him too often with too many other women, be it Laurel or Sarah, really all Lance women, um, to think it'll work. And I think she knows... As, as heroic as Ollie is, he's he's not ready for commitment. He's still a little messed up in the head. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But we'll see how that goes. That That's a show that if you haven't watched, start with the pilot, go through. It's great stuff. If you are a DC fan, they're really doing right by both the Green Arrow mythos, the Teen Titans mythos, frankly, the Batman mythos, because it's very similar in concept to that. So... Yeah, Arrow is, I would say, probably up there with Scandal as just one of my top shows to come on the air in recent years. So I don't think I can recommend that one highly enough. Yeah. Um, And please go listen to the podcasts we did on it. Again, I'll be honest. When Arrow started, it's like, you know, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I'll I'll, I'll give it a shot. And it it did. It worked wonderfully. I wasn't able to see the uh, previews of the pilot at San Diego Comic-Con because, as we all know, there's limited seating in those rooms. Uh, But I talked to quite a few people who had seen them. Mm -hmm. And every single person I talked to said they just, wow. I can't wait for more and wait until you see what they did with his dad. It was amazing. Everything that Marvel's been succeeding with in the movies, DC's been having similar success on TV. Yeah. And the fact that we've got, you know, uh, uh, again, Gotham, Flash, Arrow, Constantine on TV in a single season from, from of DC properties, iZombie, a Vertigo thing waiting in the wings... Uh, a Supergirl commitment, a, a Titans series. I think there's talk of two or three others. Amazing. Yeah. It literally, it was just two years ago, I think it was, that we were lucky to have a comic book-based show on the air. Much less two at once, a Marvel and DC with Arrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah. So, Phenomenal. what else we got? Uh, the 100. 
Again, haven't watched that yet. Very interested in that. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, um, and it's one that I looked at the commercials for it, and I was intrigued, but honestly, Lord of the Flies was never a book that captivated me. I, I'm and, not into it for that reason. It just seemed to have some other concepts behind it that looked intriguing. I think it was a 13-episode season, so that's something that really we get a a decent start on a Saturday, we could marathon through it in a day True. or two realistically. Well, and I'm looking here now and it says, cause it just felt like Lord of the Flies. And I should clarify that. That's what the sense no, I got I, from the commercials. I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, but it says here that it's based on the book series by Cass Morgan, which I hadn't realized it was actually based on book series. No, I don't think I had either. I just knew what impression and vibe I had gotten from the commercials. So, it looked interesting visually. Yeah, and I forget if I recognized any of the cast members or not, but they seemed be fun to watch. And I hadn't realized Paige Turco, uh, Jason O'Mara's wife, who Paige Turco's been on uh, Person of Interest multiple uh, got times. Got it. Okay, I know who you're talking about now. Uh, Isaiah Washington, who was on Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. is in it. So, so yeah, all. a couple of familiar faces. Yeah. And the next topic is Constantine. I am not a Vertigo reader. I think I've literally read maybe four issues of Constantine all said and done. I think the first, somewhere around issues 11 and 12, and then 300. Um, I'm more familiar with the John Constantine character in the DC Universe proper. It's a very dark, with a Hellblazer approach to it. Uh, take on the character very popular 300 well, issues in this day and age yeah and the Amazing. network mentions hellblazer exactly so it's based on the hellblazer stuff there was also a keanu reeves movie on this that i think i've got sitting around here somewhere that i haven't watched either interesting i'm gonna watch the pilot on this this is going to be one of those much like i watched the pilot of the walking dead is this something i can stomach watching it may mm. be brilliant and that may be why i don't watch it yeah so i am yeah, sadly, that was the impression the trailer left me with. Yeah, the trailer very much reinforced my thoughts on this. It's not like I'm cautiously optimistic or something. I am not necessarily the target audience for this. Yeah, it looked like it had brilliant effects. It looked like and the And that visuals, would be a turnoff for me in this case. Yeah, it looked like the visuals were magnificent. Yeah. And I was just blown away by what they were doing. And the concept of someone who was trying to redeem their own soul... Sounded fascinating. Well, and in the comics, Constantine is a bit of a con artist, a bit of a scoundrel. And if, if you had to place bets on would he go later up to heaven or down to hell, there's really, I mean, I, I would bet on heaven just because, not because I think it would happen, but the payoff would be so huge. <laughs> the odds against that, amazing. Um... Let's see. October 24th, Grimm comes back on the air. I think, but I'm not sure. Sometime in November, Beauty and the Beast will come back on, but I couldn't find a date or confirmation. Again, we know it's shooting more, so that's a good sign, but it's a little surprising. That one's always seemed to be kind of on the edge of, of is it going to survive or not. Yeah. And it's, it's a fun show. It. I put it in my guilty pleasures category. It's... I'm not going to say it's brilliant, but it's just relaxing and fun to watch. It's 
got the melodrama. Will they stay together? Will they not? What are they going to fight about this week? It's got the police procedural aspect. It's it's entertaining television. Yeah, and I like the uh, the cop partner. I like uh, Vincent's buddy. Yeah. You know, the supporting, yeah, the supporting characters are just as entertaining as the primary characters. It's one of those, it's not brilliant writing. It's It's got a good cast. It's got good writing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The character relationships are fun. It is something that if I had to pick the one show I would watch, would that be it? No. Out of all this list, certainly not. But there are a lot of others I would pick to, to pick this above. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a fun fun watch. Yeah, uh, November fifth. It looks like White Collar will come back for its final six episodes. Wow, only six. Only six. Um, and honestly, I think it got six because it left off with such a cliffhanger. With a cliffhanger, yeah. And they felt they owed the audience a wrap up. I hope it's a good wrap up. I think they've got a couple of things to tie off. Great cast, great writing, fun show. Again, TNT has had just a string of really good shows. USA. USA, I'm sorry. That's okay. This is, uh, what else is on USA? Because they've had a few others. Uh, USA had Psych. It's, it was Psych, White Collar, They yeah. Yeah. Again, USA, TNT, uh, uh, some of these other networks mm-hmm. that you don't really think about that much have produced just for years now. I mean, Psych went on. Eight seasons. Yeah. Uh, just some, some great stuff. I hope that USA is able to fill the void of uh, Psych and when this goes off the air with some other good stuff. Yeah, so do I. Because White Collar has been just wonderful entertainment and uh, Tim Decay and Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yeah, they portrayed just a wonderful marriage on TV. And I think that's the kind of characters television needs. Yeah. You know, they may not have had a absolutely positively happy, giddy smiles, cleavers every day, but they were a solid marriage. Well, that's one of the main things I think they need six episodes to clean up as they left that in an uh, awkward situation. Yeah. But, I mean, all of these characters, even Mozzie, the, the, the con artist, you know... Uh, type he's got a little bit of a heart of gold to him and and not a reluctant hero but a, a he'd do anything for mrs suit you don't mess with his friends no. and some of the stuff the relationships they built with that character between the fbi agents that he was just pathologically against the suits mm-hmm. and, and the way some of that played out just brilliant yeah so i'm going to be sorry to see that show go but it's had a really good run it has so i i can see it it being time yeah. Uh, November 17th, State of Affairs starts up. That's the Katherine Heigl one. It is. I am curious about that. I think it's got an interesting premise. It reminds me conceptually of uh, the political aspects of Scandal, certainly not the, the melodramatic ones. I am curious how that show's going to do because I've heard so many stories about how Katherine Heigl is just not easy to work with. And it makes me wonder if a show she's starring in can survive that or not. Well, and I think at one point I heard that they'd had to change out someone behind the scenes, a showrunner or something. And that may be why it doesn't start until November 17th, because that does feel pretty late in the season for 
a non-mid-season replacement to be coming on. I really think if somebody could coach her in whatever ways needed to reduce whatever friction she has, that would just do wonders for her career Mm because she's a really good actress. She is. She's done a a number of of movies, uh, but then it seemed like she was always doing movies and then suddenly that just dropped off. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and this trailer was really quite good. Mm-hmm. I was looking at that and I was like, wow, she's she's on the ball. It's definitely what I'm going to watch uh, the, the first episode or so of and just see what I think. Yeah. But I, I think it I think it'll be really good. Uh, Sci-Fi has a show starting up November 24th called Ascension. It's a six hour event series And it's a drama set in 1963 following a covert U.S. space mission that sent hundreds of men, women, and children on a century-long voyage aboard the Starship Ascension to populate a new world. Nearly 50 years into the journey, as they approach the point of no return, the mysterious murder of a young woman causes the ship's population to question the true nature of their mission. Who's in that? Ah, Brandon P. Bell of Hollywood Heights, Brian Van Holt of Cougar Town and the Bridge, uh, Trisha Helfer. Okay, Trisha Helfer. That's a name I recognize. Yeah. I was going to say, I know they had a panel at Comic-Con. All right. That's one I'd check out. It, it, a good sci-fi concept. I like that. Um, again, depends how busy my TV schedule is at that point. Um, there was one other show I was going to ask you about when it was coming on. Um, trying to remember what that was now. Uh, Transporter, the series, is coming on TNT sometime in the fall. I've seen a commercial for it, but this I... This is one that was done overseas a year or two back. Chris Vance, I think it is, who was in uh, Rizzoli and Isles for a bit as the love interest for Rizzoli, hmm. plays the Transporter. I've... Uh, seeing clips and stuff i think on youtube or somewhere and it's like he totally owns the role that's very cool the commercial i saw looked great but when i looked back at it i didn't see a when it starts airing date definitely show worth watching though yeah librarians that's what i was going to ask ah yes tnt that was the next show on the list you're very good at this i'm amazing december 7th the librarians that's that's late later than i was expecting this is based off of a series of TV movies they did starring uh, Noah Wiley as the librarian, who basically is a career student who's got like just dozens of degrees and finally kind of has to get a job. He gets thrown out of school um, and winds up working at the Metro- Metropolitan Museum as quote-unquote, the librarian, but not just the guy who puts the books there, whatever. He's sent out on special missions to essentially go save the world. And with this, they're bringing in a new group of, of librarians. They need more than one, apparently. Christian Kane, uh, Rebecca uh, Romaine. Lindy Booth. Lindy Booth. Um, John Kim. I think uh, John Larroquette's going to have a recurring role in there. Yeah. I think Matt is going to play one of the bad guys. A great cast. And I loved the, the two-hour movies. They were a little hokey, but they were fun. They were fun. I would definitely recommend checking out the movies before the TV show comes on, because they were great fun. Uh, there's a commercial that they've put out to announce this mm-hmm. December 7th date. It's probably up on YouTube if you haven't seen it over on TNT. 
and it's uh, Noah, Noah Weil, and he's got this big gizmo in his hands and he's walking through the stacks of the library and he's saying tesla death ray t d t d d (laughs) well um bob newhart was uh in the movies and stuff like that had his first fight scene in one of them uh fun stuff worth worth checking out looking forward to that it says he'll be recurring and so will jane Curtin. hmm this is Dean Devlin, I think, doing uh, it the is. Direct, uh, same guy who produced, uh, executive produced the the TV movies. Uh, Jonathan Frakes directed the second and third of those. So it should be a lot of fun. Very similar in concept, different in execution to Tomb Raider, uh, Relic Hunter, things of that ilk. It's it's the, the, the globe-trotting treasure hunter. Yeah. Um, they were fun, lighthearted. What was the Nicolas Cage movies that were seen? Uh, National Treasure. National Treasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to the mid-season replacements, which I'll only mention that uh, Gallivant looked funny. That's the... Uh, it looks funny. It's the one that... Uh, uh, from Psych. Timothy... Um, Amundsen. Amundsen. Thank you. Uh, it's a musical. He plays the king, and man, he just hams it up. It very a polar opposite role from what he didn't like it looks like a lot of fun uh the trailer i've seen of it looked hilarious don't know that i'd watch it more because i really don't watch that many kind of sitcom type things this is more i guess dramedy or whatever uh we'll see how it goes uh whether it clicks with an audience or not but certainly a lot of fun i could definitely see why uh why the actor chose that uh after psych yeah uh other mid-season replacement i zombie Yes. That one I'll check out. Again, depends on the gore factor as to whether I'll keep up with it or not. I'm expecting it to be kind of low. She may eat brains, but I don't think it's going to be a dig it out of the skull kind of grossness or something. Mm-hmm. And Rose McIver is the lead on that. Mm, that is an excellent question. I know it's a former Power Ranger, which just has me curious. We're seeing a lot more former Power Rangers on a lot more shows these days. Granted, after 20 seasons of Power Rangers, that that's quite a few people. Rose McIver, Malcolm Goodwin. It was Rose McIver I was yeah. thinking of. She also played Tinkerbell on Lost, on uh, Once Upon a Time. Lost didn't have Tinkerbell. It was totally different island. David Anders. Yeah, who was on uh, Once Upon a Time as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... A lot of good good shows coming out. A lot of things to watch. Obviously, some will stick around. Some will not. Yeah. Uh, time um, will tell on that. I'm going to mention three shows that should come up in January-ish. Uh, Agent Carter. Right. The uh, kind of the off-season thing for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Um, Justified will have its final season. Oh, brilliant show. I love that. Uh Timothy Oliphant just does a brilliant job on that. I think the last season wasn't the highlight of the show or the series for me. But man, you go back to the first and second season, some of the stuff there, some of the gunfights where you just, you hear a couple of gunshots, you see people fall. It's like, okay, wait a sec. Oh, I see what happened. Well, and there was one scene and it's been a few seasons where basically he shoots somebody and then says i hope i got that right yeah i love that he 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 is fast on the draw and almost fast enough on the judgment yeah and 
it's just an incredibly wonderful character. And I highly it, recommend the whole series. Yeah, I, I would watch it as much for the depiction of his character and mm -hmm. how between the writing, the directing, and certainly the acting, mm. there is such a, a, a clear definition of, of Raylan Givens and who this man is. Mm -hmm. You got the hat, you got the stance, you got the gun, mm -hmm. you got the, if I pull this out, I'm using it aspect with the gun. Mm -hmm. The very matter of fact, you're going to do this and I'm going to shoot you dead. Well, you know, and just, just, there's a quarter of that character that is so yeah. solid and pure. It's, it's amazing. It, it's probably one of the most consistently written characters I've ever seen on television. It's a character that's got the same internal solidity that a really good depiction of, say, Batman or James Bond or mm -hmm. very different type of character. I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to say it's the same no. personality traits, but there is a truth to the character, yeah. a, a consistency, a realism or, or certainty to the yeah. character. Maybe not realism, but certainty uh, that is just so much fun. Well, there are some television shows that you watch and after a season or two, you wonder if, does this character have a split personality disorder? What I love about Raylan is not only is he so far on the other end of that spectrum, yeah. but when you've got characters like uh, Win Duffy, I guess it is. Yeah. And he's got a couple of people. He's encountered Raylan over a, a couple of times over a few years. Got some new people with him. They're encountering him. Yeah, he does that. That's, that's like his thing. Yeah. He, he's gonna shoot you. You know? <laughs> that's what they do here in Kentucky. One you know? of my favorite characters is Boyd Crowder. That was a character that they were gonna have for the pilot and then kill him off. And yeah. then they realized, no, he's really popular with the test audience. Yeah. And he's been kind of the flip side of yeah. the equation. As a great way to describe him. Um, for the entire run. Well, and somebody asked Raylan in one episode, basically, so were you two friends growing up kind of question. And he says, we dug coal together. As if that ex explains it all. And in a way, it does. It would be kind of like we went to war together kind of a thing. Yeah. We went through a really defining re uh, period of time together and got mm -hmm. to know each other. Not to say that you're friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, Boyd Crowder's character is so well defined. And part of why this is going to be the last season is it's the last stuff that they had kind of arced out and discussed with uh, Elmore Leonard, mm -hmm. who was the writer of the stuff. Uh, of the, the novels of the novels it was based this on. This is based on. Mm -hmm. So this is as far as they got kind of with his blessing and with his input. And it's like, okay. That's a good place to end it then. Well, and the show was based on the character of Raylan out of some short stories and some novels. And it was around, I want to say, season three that they worked with Elmore Leonard and they basically outlined out the whole season. And they mm -hmm. said, OK, here's what we want to do. And he said, I give it my blessing. And he said, you know what? I like that so much. I think I want to write it as a novel and put that out, too. What do you say? That's cool. And how often do you really see a novel inspire a TV show that inspires the novelist? But there's a to synergy write, there. Yeah. yeah. To write the novelization from the TV show he inspired. I think it's cool because it's such a 
great character and yeah. show. Yeah, and they did a four or five minute tribute to Elmore Leonard when he died. And the yeah. actors were talking about their favorite lines that came from him and the stuff movies, like that. The movies, Get Shorty and some of the other stuff he'd done. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. Um, the other show I'm going to mention, and then we will probably call it quits, is CSI Cyber, which is the newest CSI spinoff. I watched the episode because you, you had suggested it to me that it, it was like the backdoor pilot. Yeah, exactly. They set up the lead uh, of the team, really nobody else on it. And it had some interesting stuff, interacted with that CSI team acceptably. It definitely seemed like a launch pad kind of episode. Mm-hmm. Patricia Arquette Patricia is the Arquette, one they pretty well featured there. I may watch the first of that. I'm not really into the CSI stuff in general. The cyber stuff, a little more interesting. And that's why I thought I'd mention yeah. it, is I thought that these listeners might be the ones who are into the cyber stuff, but I'm not positive how well the cyber stuff is going to come across. In that backdoor pilot, I wasn't sure how I felt about the cyber stuff, and I'm not extraordinarily literate in that aspect of it. It's one of those that it seems like it's a police procedural and that's just their their little spin on it. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with police procedurals. I oh, watch no. a ton and I love no. some of them. But They're... with this rich of a genre TV season, will it make my cut or knots the question? Yeah, and CSI Cyber felt, I want to say the technology felt a bit magical to me. There were a few places where it was, it was more than just a little bit magical. They were... 3D avatars that were based on people that could do really crazy stuff that I I, I just didn't buy. And that that's my concern with the show is I'm really hoping that now that it's out of CSI Las Vegas, if you will, and it's on its own, that it's going to get more entrenched in reality and yeah. be more grounded and kind of find its own footing. Hope so. Hope so. We'll see how that pans out. Um, and I'm hoping that's why they're holding it back to mid-season. That could be. I so, think also, though, it it's a show worth holding off to mid-season in so much as you've got a lot of, of a really s- strong lineup of new shows this season. Very true. That some of them are going to click, some are not. Some are going to go by the wayside. And just letting the, the herd thin out a little before putting... You know, another branch of the CSI franchise out there. On the one hand, it's got that built-in following. On the other hand, how many can they support concurrently, you know? Well, and CSI New York is no longer on the air. CSI Miami is no longer on the air. And I wonder if that's part of why they decided to try another. Uh, NCIS is launching NCIS New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And NCIS LA is now, I want to say, in its sixth season the New Orleans one, is that the one that's going to have Scott Bakula? It is. And CCH Pounder. Oh. Excellent cast. Uh, Zoe McClellan uh, is one of the actresses there. She was on JAG, and that girl is a scene stealer. CCH Pounder is the one in the cartoons, usually voiced Amanda Waller. And on Warehouse 13. Uh, she played... Um, Mrs. Pa- uh, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, 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 Franklin? No. Um, Frederick. Frederick, thank Frederick. you. Basically, though, prior to the new 52, she could have played Amanda Waller. That was the physique. That was the nature of the character. You know, uh, older, heavier set woman, not this, you know, model type that we've got in this day and age with Arrow and, and the new 52. 
So a really great TV season. Uh, this is just yeah. the highlights. There's still tons of other stuff to watch. Um, yeah, it's just amazing how much great shows, how many great shows are out there. And, you know, I'm eternally grateful for video on demand and DVRs that make it possible to feel like I'm watching more than one show out of each time slot. Yeah. Well, and the reality is the way uh, I watch TV, the way we watch TV, we tend to get, get together uh, Wednesday and Friday nights. Uh, pull off what's on the DVR, watch a couple of things uh, as we uh, have dinner and just chat. So we will periodically get behind on certain shows, stay current on others, and then just marathon a few. Mm-hmm. You know, we watched the uh, a couple of seasons that way of various shows mm-hmm. of just, yeah, we haven't watched most of the season. Let's go ahead and catch up on that. And three or four nights later at four or five episodes apiece, you, you can go faster when you skip off the commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, some shows watch a lot. It's, it's like waiting for the trade for TV. Yeah. It's really what it is. Um, yeah. but it's fun watching some of these shows together just where I can be saying, oh yeah, this character here, this is their background. This is where it came from. And this is the twist they're doing on this character here. And no, no, this is new. This is where they're veering away from mm-hmm. what they've done. Well, and I like being able to ask you about the comic books and what comes from the source material and what's just totally unrelated. Well, and even shows that are are not the least bit comic book related, like Scandal or whatever. It's like, did you see that coming? Where do you think this is going? Who do you think done that? Mm-hmm. You know, just some of the twists and turns. I like having TV shows that are worth speculating about, thinking about, mm-hmm. and... and uh, now, I will say that with Forever, which I asked you to watch mm-hmm. tonight, I really enjoyed that first episode, but I kind of wish they hadn't done one of the things they did. And I guess part of it for me is I feel like more and more shows are feeling the need to either have a conspiracy theory or have a a big bad or to have an big evil bad to rival. Get that arc going to where it's not just episodic yeah and it's it's a tough thing to do because i i agree with you in that case i don't think it was a a, a good idea but if they don't have that it run the risk of just being episodic and no overarching thing to pull you back but some of the best shows are the ones where it's the relationship of the characters yeah that is the subplot that is the glue between episodes mm-hmm uh, in a few cases, even if they don't really flesh out the characters, the old uh, 60s Mission Impossible TV series, you never really got to know the characters, but you knew they knew each other. Yes. They trusted one another. Yes. That interplay sometimes was enough to, okay, what are they going to do next week? Yeah. So I think a lot of these shows, and well, in Gotham is the epitome of this, the overarching trajectory of the entire premise of the series bruce wayne parent his parents get killed and mm-hmm. one of the actors i think it was the guy who plays gordon pointed out normally you see that in the movies you roll forward 20 years later and bruce is coming back to town as batman mm-hmm. this time no 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 we're not rolling forward 20 years we're going to keep following this mm-hmm. well but and, you know yeah. where it goes well and i guess it was the uh, executive producer bruno heller who was saying this whole series is a what if what if James Gordon was the rookie cop investigating that case? And that's when these two met. 
And everything spins out of that night. That's when the story rolls forward. From. I think they've touched on that concept in the comics a, a, a okay. time or two before. Mm-hmm. Not to this yes. extent. Um, there were a few times where they were saying, oh, well, they've never really talked about this person's childhood. Yeah. Sometimes they really have. Yeah. I mean, I've seen various aspects of the Penguin's childhood a number of times. And it, I think what they're going to do in Gotham looks really cool. Don't get me wrong. But to sort of claim it's never been done before in the history of comics. <laughs> there are a lot of comics you're talking about. Uh, the Penguin pra- Pain and Prejudice or whatever that was uh, a miniseries early in the New 52 just two years ago, I think, touched on some of this in flashback and so forth. Was it the main part of the story? No. But the point of the matter is... They've got this huge rogues gallery and world they can build up in Gotham Mm -hmm. as defined over 75 years of Batman comics. There is, they could strip mine the thing for another 10 years and still scratch the surface. Well, and I'm glad that they're touching on the Gordon and Bruce Wayne relationship and developing that since they're talking so much about it being the origin story of the villains. Because they need that lightness to balance the darkness. There needs to be a, sooner or later, this 10-year-old's going to go, you know, take all of you guys down and scare the hell out of you doing it. Mm -hmm. In a good way. Mm. Um, And it it plays a nice counterpoint to the movies. Yeah. You know, this character could grow up to be the Christian Bale Batman. He may not, you know, but a lot riding on that. I, I I hope it really works for Gotham. Over the course of the season, because if it doesn't, I think that's a serious blow to DC's TV efforts. Hmm. Granted, they've got enough going on elsewhere that I don't think it would stop things, but it would be, uh, I'd much rather see it be a huge success and then just, okay, we get Titans, we get Supergirl, we get all of these other things. And it really pushes DC Comics firmly into the driver's seat of DC Entertainment mm-hmm. in helping get these things out there and staying true to the comics. Yeah. So. Anything else? Or is that pretty much it? We've covered a lot. We have covered 38 shows. Wow. I'm sure there are other shows out there. I, I know there are other shows I'm watching. Hawaii Five-0. I'm sure I could name a couple others. Uh, I would love to know what the listeners are watching. What yes. They, what they recommend. Yes. And we've got the forum on the comic book page uh, podcast uh, website, comicbookpage.com. You know, there's a lot of things that are either, in the case of Gotham and Arrow and Flash and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., directly inspired or based on the comics. There are other other things that are more thematically based on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a and, uh, ton of great stuff to watch. I, I love getting recommendations on uh, TV shows and movies and stuff like that. Just to give me something to watch when I'm a little tired of reading all these comics I read. So anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.